This is LBC from Global, leading Britain's conversation. Mystery Hour with James O'Brien. Four minutes after 12 is the time, and it is upon us. 03456060973 is the number that you need if you want to join in what is a, a, a weekly celebration of, of fun and frolics at the moment, but also a sort of intergenerational excitement, given that Mystery Hour has been unexpectedly invaded by people under the age of, of 13. And, uh, and frankly, it's all the more fun for it. So we'll get that up and running in a moment. I, I can confirm, I think that, um, as I suggested to you a moment ago, it's been confirmed that Boris Johnson will not face a criminal investigation over elements of his relationship with Jennifer Arcuri. There'll be no criminal probe. Um, City Hall is to renew its own probe. Um, the young woman who uh, appeared to be very close to the Prime Minister and who ended up being put on various missions, trade missions to exotic claims that she had previously been a judge not qualified to do. So no um, criminal investigation into his relationship while he was Mayor of London. That's a decision taken by the uh, police watchdog. Um, so we don't need to distract ourselves from Mystery Hour. I was worried that we may. What this is, is a, a curious little confection conceived for reasons that most of us can barely remember. But it does a lot more than what it says on the tin. It's, it's much more than the sum of its parts. And frankly, over the last few weeks, it's become something of a something of a balm, hasn't it? Really, for our fevered brows. It's like a cold poultice. Because all we do is, is invite people on to ask questions, mysteries, questions to which they know um, there probably are answers, but they haven't been able to find the answers themselves. And then someone else will ring in and provide the answer. And that is it. I mean, like all the best ideas, it's really incredibly simple. And uh, like all the best ideas on the radio, it's, it's almost certainly been done elsewhere. Uh, but, um, but this is how we do it. We call it mystery hour. You ring in, you, you ask me a who, a why, a what, a where, a when, a whither, even a wherefore, possibly the occasional whence, and someone else rings in with the answer. The only real rule left after a, sort of a slow crumbling of any semblance of formal organisation, the only real rule left is that you are not, if you're going to ring in with an answer, then you are not allowed to look things up. Um, something that you, you might hope would be made clear just by a common sense, but of course, common sense is a curiously conflicted concept at the moment. So uh, you're not allowed to look stuff up, otherwise this whole thing would be a waste of everybody's time. So you need to tell me when you ring in with an answer how you know the answer. I'll say what are your qualifications, but it's not a it's not a rigorous test because you could easily and and you're more than welcome to as long as it's true. You could reply, "Oh, I saw it on telly last week, James," or you could reply, as, as one of our most frequent contributors does, oh, I'm the Professor of Public Understanding of Science at the University of Brighton, James. Or, you know, I, I actually invented it myself, James. Or probably my favourite answer so far on lockdown mystery out would be, uh, how do you know that about, about film scores? How do you know, how, what are your qualifications to answer that question you've just answered about film composers? Answer, oh, I, I work with Hans Zimmerman. Uh, arguably the best living film composer. So, you, you, I mean, it's beautiful when it works like that. But, of course, it's it's also pretty special when it doesn't. So that's that's the only rule. And I think we'll just get up and running, shall we, actually? Seven minutes after 12. Julie is in Wimbledon. Julie, do you have a question or an answer? A question. Carry on, Julie. Um, why do we eat popcorn? 
popcorn when we watch films. Why do we eat popcorn at the cinema? You mean at the cinema. You don't necessarily eat it at home on the sofa, do you? Or do you? Yeah. Yeah, actually, we do as well. Um, why? why well, yeah, that's a very, very good question. We, we don't really eat it any other time, but somehow we've managed to associate popcorn with films and cinemas. How old are you, Julie? Um, ten. Ten years old. Great stuff. That's a brilliant question, and I'd be very surprised if we don't get you an answer. Take care. Eight after twelve. Mamie is in East Finchley. Mamie, question or answer? Question. Carry on. Um, when, my, when my dog comes to cuddle me, he buries his head and hides his face. Why? Oh, how, how do you how do you mean? He he, he, he sort of but just puts he, his head down. He bows it, does he? And then and then snuggles into you. Yeah, and he can wherever he can. He also does it in his bed. He hides his face. That's a lovely question. I, I, I'm just trying to get a picture of it. It, 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 it. So when he's what? When he's relaxed or when he's happy, he hides his face? Or what do you think? When he comes to cuddle you, he just hides his face. Okay, well, I know that we have a couple of we have a couple of dog experts that listen to this program usually, maybe, but I, I, obviously I can't tell whether they're listening today. If they are, I think you're going to get a pretty cool answer to your question. Do you mind if I ask how old you are? Mm, I'm eight years old. Eight years old. My youngest caller so far today. Thank you, Mamie. So we want to know why popcorn and cinema go together like a horse and carriage and, and why do dogs, or particularly Mamie's dogs, sort of hide their face or bow their head when they're coming in for a cuddle. Nine minutes after 12 is the time. Remember, if you can answer any of the questions that are asked, do get in touch. And, and generally speaking, the answers are coming from grown-ups, although the questions are coming from children. So if you are of a slightly more... Um, aged disposition than, than Mamie and Julie, then do not, whatever you do, feel disqualified from mystery. I, I love getting answers off children as well, and I'm more than happy to take questions from adults. Uh, but uh, just to be clear, all are welcome. Arshian is in Harrow. Arshian, question or answer? Oh, uh, you can't have the radio on in the background, my dudes. It, it, it just messes, it messes up everything. We'll try and come back to you, but if you are ringing in, and I know it's a pain in the proverbials because you want to hear your little treasure on the radio but but if it's on in the background it messes up everything for everybody as i can tell you from from experience actually when i was about the age of of, of the people calling into mystery hour today and i appeared on beacon radio and i ignored their uh advice to put the radio off in the background because i was recording my radio debut on beacon radio down in wolverhampton and that meant that when gordon astley asked me how i was and i said fine thanks gordon and then when you play back the tape, about 10 seconds later, I said it again because I'd heard Gordon ask me on the radio in the background how I was, even though he'd already asked me and I was live on the radio, didn't really have the time or the space to get a bit confused. So I answered the 10 second later uh, response to Gordon Astley live on Beacon Radio. Gordon Astley, of course, was the radio presenter who had what, for my money, remains the finest jingle in the history of British radio. Gordon Gordon drives away your boredom. If you wake up feeling ghastly, tune in to Gordon Astley. It's 11 minutes after 12. Let's have another go with Arshian. Arshian, do you have a question or an answer for me? I have a question. Carry on, mate. Uh, I have a question. Yeah, what is it? What is it? Why do some viruses last longer than others? Why do some viruses last longer than other viruses? Yeah. Or, or, or to get what? You mean to find a vaccine or, to, or for people to recover? For people to 
for people to recover. So you get you get a virus, and sometimes you might be better in a few days, and some viruses take a few weeks. I, I shall try and find yeah. out for you on that one. It's it's not a great phone line, but I hope we've got to the nub of your inquiry. So, why do some viruses take longer? Than, how old are you, Ashin? Is he still there? No, it's yeah. gone. So we so we we want to know Julie's popcorn question. We want to know Mamie's dog question, and we want to know Ashian's virus question. It's a lovely little selection, actually. I'll tell you what: when this is over, I've got a horrible feeling it's going to feel like something of an anticlimax when Mystery Hour returns to the clutches of the grown-ups. Uh, Maisie is in Selhurst. Maisie, question or answer? I've got an a question. <laughs> Go on. What is it? Um, if cars and ships, um are female, and um, do buildings have genders? Well, I don't know, really. Do, I mean, do you think your house has a gender? Does your home have a gender, do you think? I don't know. No, nor do I. I've never... I've, I've, I mean, I mean what's that? yeah, all right. So, and if not, why not? Why do we give genders to ships and, and other things, but not, not to buildings? I don't think they have genders, but... Well, that's going to be a very easy question to answer, Maisie, isn't it, if the answer is no? Yeah. But but then I'll have to ask for their qualifications, and they'll have to know something about something in order for us to trust them when they say that buildings don't have genders, won't they? So I might check back with you to see whether or not you're happy with the answer. Is that okay? Yeah. Cool stuff. And how old are you? I'm 10. 10. So that's... Average age of nine so far, or thereabouts. Lovely stuff, thank you. 13 minutes after 12 is the time. Zach is in Essex. Zach, question or answer? Uh, question. Carry on, Zach. <laughs> um, how, do, how will like, magnets discovered if, like, um, like, attached to each other? How were magnets discovered? Yeah. Cool. I, I, I think there was a caveman, and he had an axe, and he was walking past a mountain, and his axe got stuck to the mountain. And that was because there was a magnets in, in... You're not going to take that as an answer, are you, Zach? You're far too clever. No, I didn't think you would. My, uh, 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 just pretend that never happened. We shall, we'll erase it from the tape. How were magnets discovered? When, where, why? I like that question a lot. Magnets are fascinating when you're that age, aren't they? I mean, they're absolutely magical. Closest thing you ever get to, to, to actual <laughs> magic. Wow! It's coming out to quarter past 12. Why do we always eat popcorn when we're watching movies? Why does Mamie's dog bow her head or his head when he comes in for a cuddle? Why do some viruses take longer than other viruses to work their way through your system, if that's the correct phraseology? My apologies if it isn't. Do buildings have genders in the way that ships do and, um, and, and trains and what have you? And when were magnets first discovered? I, I like all of these questions. But frankly, that's hardly surprising because all of the people asking questions are, are, are quite, quite brilliant this week. It's 12.15. This is LBC. LBC throughout the day. With Gulf.UK business support. Information on how to help protect jobs and the economy. It is 17 minutes after 12. Sorry to my younger listeners, just a little bulletin, a dispatch for the... Older ones, perhaps. Really, really interesting circulation figures published for national newspapers. Um, where we see the Daily Mail has gone down by a lot, the Daily Express has gone down by a lot, the Daily Mirror has gone down by a lot, the Daily Star has gone down by a lot. But, yeah, the iPaper has gone right off a cliff. Where every single newspaper has suffered appallingly 
during this um, continuing crisis. The Telegraph, The Sun and The Times, I presume with his tongue in his cheek, Jim Waterson, the media editor at The Guardian, suggests that they're currently too scared to publish their figures. Um, so, I'm sorry, that's probably just me that's interested in that. Let's get back to mystery. Oh, nobody cares about that stuff. Uh, questions still in need of answers, I shall remind you of shortly, but let's crack on with our collection of questions. Ruby is in Kent. Ruby, do you have a question or an answer? A question. And would you mind telling me what your question is? It is, who decides what to call the new road? Uh, do you mean as in the numbers, like the A3456, or do you mean like roads where people yeah. live, like... Yeah. The second one? Yeah. yeah. So so you, I think you're asking me this question because you want to find out how we could get something called Ruby Road. Am I right? <laughs> yes. I think I would, number 36, Ruby Road. That would be a fairly cool place to live, wouldn't it? So what do we have to do to get a, a road named after Ruby? Or indeed anybody else. Um, I, I shall find out for you. Who decides what new roads are called? There's a few near me that are clearly named after old councillors or something like that because they've got um, they're like full names, Christian name and surname. But we shall find out. How old are you, Ruby? Eight years old. Eight years old. So we've got quite a while to get this new road sorted that's named after you, haven't we? There's no rush, but I shall see what I can do. Uh, what a lovely question. Elliot is in Streatham. Question or answer, Elliot? Uh, question. Carry on, mate. Um, my dad has a record player. What's that? What are they? Uh, where you play vinyl records of... Music. Vinyl? What? Vi vinyl record? Has he not heard of Spotify? What's wrong with him? <laughs> Go on, what's your question? Um, there are two speeds on them. 45 and 33 and a third revolutions per minute. Why are those numbers? Ah, so you're not asking why they're at different speeds, because they're to play different records, but you're asking how they ended up at 33 and a, her, a third and 45. Yeah. Cool. I like that. If you divide 45 by 3... Yeah, I do like that. I thought I might know the answer, but, but I don't actually. Do you like vinyl? Uh, not really. I use Spotify. Yeah, so you could, you could tell your dad to get with the times, Elliot. Seriously. What's he got? I bet. Does he ride a penny farthing bicycle as well? No. No? All right. Well, you take care. I'll try and get... And I'm being a little bit facetious there because I'm a bit of a vinyl fan myself and one of my children loves it, but, but the other one says, what's wrong with Spotify? Uh, thank you, Elliot. Thank you, Ruby. We'll crack on with Elizabeth, who's in... Uh, I can't, where do you live, Elizabeth? I can't read this. Norfolk. Yeah, I can read that bit. I'm not completely stupid. What's the bit that begins with an M? Martin. Martham. Okay, there we go. We got there in the end. And do you have a question or an answer? A question. Carry on. If I hit myself hard, if Pardon? I just hit myself and it hurts, would yeah. I either be weak or would I be strong? It, what? If if I hit myself yeah. and it hurts, yeah. would I be weak or strong? Why, 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 why are you asking me this question? I'm not really sure. I like it a lot, but I, I, I mean, couldn't you hit someone else and then ask them if it... I mean, that would save you a, a job, wouldn't it? I mean, I don't think you should go and hit anybody else, Elizabeth. And if you do, don't you dare try and blame it on me. It would be extremely naughty behaviour. <laughs> but 
what if you hit yourself hard if you hurt if you hit yourself hard and it hurt would that make you weak or strong well it, you'd be strong wouldn't you so if you just like hit yourself and then it hurt would you either be weak because it hurt or strong yeah, I, I, I got to say, I'm not getting any clearer on this question the more you repeat it. But I, I, I'm going to ask you. The, I mean, you don't go around hitting yourself, do you, on a regular basis? <laughs> no. No. I'm too young to vote for Brexit as well. I shall, I shall get that question on the board for you. If Elizabeth hits herself hard and it hurt, would she be weak or would she be strong? And if you're going to answer that one, then in the immortal words of Les Dennis, I shall give you the money myself. Elizabeth, great work. Ten years old in Martham in Norfolk. It's 22 minutes after 12. And um, is, it, is it Eliza in Elton? Eliz. Eliz. No, I thought they put another mistake on my screen. I haven't heard that name before. What a lovely name. Do you have a question or an answer for me, Eliz? A question. Carry on. What triggers a phobia? What triggers a phobia? Yes. Ooh. I.e., do you have any phobias yourself? Yeah, I've got a big fear of spiders. Spiders? Yeah. Yeah, I, actually, that, I, was, I, I was hoping you were going to say something silly like buttons. <laughs> I, know, I know someone who's got a phobia about buttons, can you believe? Really? And some people have a, yeah, really, buttons. It makes getting dressed in the morning an absolute nightmare. For They use a lot of zips. It is, a lot of zips. But, and also, I once met someone who had a phobia of balloons. Oh. Yeah. So I think, I think it's got something to do with, with childhood and, and getting scared and then associating that fear in the rest of your life with... But you're not, I don't think you want me to answer this, do you? You want someone clever. <laughs> it would be a bit more helpful. Okay. Thanks for this. <laughs> Thanks. This is my show, you know. Oops. <laughs> Oops. Let's find out what triggers a phobia for... What fantastic questions this week. Although some of them, I think, are going to need a degree of expertise to answer them. Oops. 24 after 12. Elias, thank you for that. Um, I, you see, I had a rat phobia. I talked about it on the radio quite a lot. And then I kind of... Becoming a parent helped a bit. But I, I'm no longer phobic. I don't like rats anymore, but I don't jump onto the nearest bench if I'm walking through the park and a, and a, a, a rat scurries over the towpath. Let's go to Elsie next. So we've had an Elizabeth and a Liz and now an Elsie. That's a rather lovely little combination. Uh, Elsie, do you have a question or an answer for me? I have a question. And can you tell me what it is? My question is, why do moles appear? Why does mold appear? Yes. On on a on a on a wall and stuff. That'll do. I I understand the question. How old are you, Elsie? I'm seven. I think you're my youngest caller today, so thank you very much for that. I'm going to try and find out for you. Where where does mold come from? Why does mold appear? And I and I I think Elsie probably means in a building. You don't really mean in cheese, do you? Do you mean on food? No. Do you mean in buildings? I mean, like, on bodies. On bodies? Yeah. Like, little brown things. Moles! Yeah. I thought you said mold. I thought... Do you know what I thought, Elsie? I thought you knew someone who was covered in mold. Like a moldy person. <laughs> I thought I thought you'd met a moldy person. I was sitting here thinking, oh, dear, this is a bit serious. We should probably call a doctor, not a radio station, if, if, if Elsie knows someone who's covered in mold. But you said moles. You mean like big freckles? Yeah. 
Yes, that's better. Well, that's a relief. We could have we could have opened up all sorts of Pandora's boxes there. Thank you, Elsie. Why, why do moles appear? Um, funny that. Just just as uh, I was reading out the word mold on my screen, the producer was complaining about me suggesting that they made mistakes on my screen. What a beautiful little moment of symmetry that was. L- Louise is in Seven Oaks. Louise, question or answer? Answer, please, James. Carry on, Louise. I've got an answer for Ruby on her street naming. Um, it's quite it's quite dull, unfortunately. Um, oh. Each council, district council, will have a street name and numbering department, um, and they will work with the developer of a new estate. Uh, on what that should be called. Um, it's then yes. sort of sent down to the parish council for their comment. Um, and if everyone is in agreement, then that's what they're called. Um, I don't think that's boring necessarily, <laughs> because it means that you, you can lobby or, or, or petition to have someone properly commemorated with a street name, presumably. True, true, you can. You're not, unfortunately for Ruby, allowed to name someone who is still alive in the street. So, um, what? I know. Is that, is that true? You can't, yeah. like, a. It well, has to be someone who's passed away. Is that true in all councils or just I, the one you know of? It's just the one I know of. It's true for Seven Oaks. So, um, okay. And, that, and, and your qualifications are? I am the clerk for a parish council in Seven Oaks District. What is the most memorable name you've ever signed off on? I, we've only signed off uh, three recently, and we oh. actually changed all the suggestions they gave because they were quite dull, and we renamed them after types of pear, which is our local fruit. So we have Damson Drive and Concord. Close, I think it is coming soon. Well, that's rather nice, isn't it? <laughs> Concord, can't we get a Ruby? Can't, can't we find an apple called Ruby and then um, have a Ruby Road? <laughs> I suspect there probably is an apple called Ruby. So well, there you we go. Did. That could be that could be a way around it. There's one near me, up near um, Cyan House, near, near, near Old Isleworth, and it's called Snowy Something Drive. So that's probably a local hero or someone that was on the council and, and got passed away. Quite possibly. <laughs> Quite probably. We, we shall find out. Yeah. Thank you for that. It's a lovely one. Round of applause as well. I forgot about the sound effects this week. Great work, Louise. And a reminder there that, that, that grown-ups are encouraged to contribute, particularly answers. I think that the youngsters are going to be keeping us in questions for, for some time. But if you can answer any of these questions, then I would love to hear from you. Um, Julie wants to know why popcorn is our accompaniment, usually, when watching movies. Mamie wants to know why her dog bows his head when he comes in for a cuddle, like a lot of dogs. Arshian wants to know why some viruses last a lot longer than others. Maisie wants to know what gender buildings are or, or, or whether or not buildings are ever given a gender. See, they will be in other languages, won't they, of course, where the definite article um, takes a, a masculine or feminine. Zach in Essex wants to know when or how magnets were discovered. We've done Ruby's answer. It's not what she was hoping for, is it? I mean, crikey. Um, but now we do know how, how, how roads get named, so we need to find an apple called Ruby and then encourage the local council in Kent, which is quite appropriate. It's the Garden of England. Uh, we can get the local council to call a road Ruby Road. Uh, Elliot wants to know why record players settled on those. Why 45 and 33 and a third RPM? Elizabeth wants to know whether she'd be weak or strong if she hit herself quite hard and it hurt. Eliz wants to know where phobias come from. Elsie wants to know why moles appear, M-O-L-E-S, on skin, not in gardens. Louise has just provided us with an answer, and that is it. Those are all the questions still awaiting correct responses. If you've got one, 0345 If you've got a question of your own, the number remains the same. You are listening to James O'Brien on LBC. Time now for the very latest news headlines with Dominic Ellis. 
LBC throughout the day. With gov.uk business support. Find out the current financial support available for your business. It's 12.34. You're listening to James O'Brien on LBC, where Mystery Hour continues. I ran through all the questions awaiting answers just before the headline, so we shall crack on. But if you do have a question or if you can answer any of the questions that pop up, you are encouraged to join in. And thank you for all the love. A lot of love. It's nice, isn't it, to find some sort of companionship and comfort during these difficult times. But but a lot of, of, of love coming in, not just for Mystery Hour, but for Ellis, who was with us earlier remembering his his late granddad and and I, I was really pleased actually with the generosity of spirit that we all managed to show towards these poor saps that have been persuaded that their common sense um, somehow uh, qualifies them to go to the beach and start nibbling at the edges of uh, an already loose and late lockdown. I, I think the harder we work to resist the urge to blame them instead of the sort of pied pipers of COVID-19 in Downing Street, then um, the happier for all concerned. When they say divide and rule, you are always allowed to say no. 12.35 is the time. Cal is in Basildon. Cal, question or answer? I've got an answer. Let's go. So um, I, I was going to answer the question about magnets. Oh, yeah. Um, and the the first magnets weren't weren't invented but they were discovered the first magnet recorded was accredited to the the greeks um it's from an, a mineral called magnetes which, <laughs> <laughs> which is iron hydroxide and it's and it's formed naturally around volca- volcanic areas oh yeah and it was what sort of year are we talking do we know oh i haven't got a clue but i'm that's all right i'm, in, I'm in, I'm a um, I'm a physics A level student, so this okay. is part of our curriculum. And there was a story that goes that there was a philosopher slash scientist slash shepherd who was herding his sheep, and the yes. nails in his shoes magically stuck to a rock. And then really? from there they called it. He called it magnetes. And then from then on. They made magnets. compasses. Vikings made well, compasses, and that was the first. Zach, Zach, Zach asked, "How were magnets discovered?" And I, I don't know if you heard me suggesting stupidly that it was when a caveman's axe got stuck to a to a you hill. Were very, very close. I wasn't far off, was I, mate? I was pretty... yeah. <laughs> so I love that job description. I, I might aspire to that, actually. I've got the qualifications. I could be a ph- philosopher slash scientist slash shepherd, and and the, and the the nails in his boots stuck to. Stuck to the to the magnetese or the, the the mineral in the in the ground. That's beautiful, and that's all he asked. He asked, "How was it discovered?" And and there's his answer. And if we were to go for, I mean, it would be somewhere around probably between five and fifteen hundred years BC, I would say, wouldn't you? Good yeah, exactly. Take. I'm 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 not a historian, but I'm a scientist. Yeah, I'm a gob on a stick, mate. So you're already the best qualified person in this conversation. How are you getting on with your A levels? How are you finding the lockdown? Well, I called you just before the um, just before the school shut, and I was talking yes. to you about how can they school how can they shut schools and continue to get our A levels. Well, now you, you know said that the A levels wouldn't go ahead, and then I said, well, "I doubt that." It, and then it was they right, did. Carl. You were right. Yeah, go out and buy my book as a penance, mate. All right. <laughs> Mind there you go. Round of applause for Cal. Great work. Twelve thirty-seven is the time, and Andy is in Coventry. Andy, question or answer? It's an answer, James. Carry on, Andrew. 
It's an answer to I can't remember the little girl's name. Was it Maisie with the dog? Yes. Why did yes, the dog put her head down? Yes. Um, the dog puts his head down and snuggles into her when she's fussing it because it's a submissive gesture that's also showing quite a lot of trust for Maisie. Oh. When a dog does that, puts puts its head down and nuzzles right into you. Basically, if you can think of like dog behaviour with each other, it's not challenging at all. It, it's yes. teeth are away. It's not looking at you. It's not giving you any sort of challenge. And it's saying, I trust you. You're not going to hurt me. You're the boss. It's looking up to Maisie. And it thinks, make, know that Maisie will look after the dog. Oh. And it's a trust one because it also exposes the neck. So if the dog wants right. to do it to something dangerous, the dog knows it's a dangerous position to be in. So the and fact that it will do it easy shows how much it trusts Maisie that she will never hurt him. What a lovely little answer that is to a lovely question. And, of course, the sleep element of it just confirms what you've said because is that why they do little circles sometimes before they settle down because they're establishing that there are no threats nearby so when they settle down for a kip they can, they can bury their head again because they've established that they're safe? To a degree, it's also the circle when they settle down, we think is just a remnant of when they're in the wild, flattening the grass, clearing right, the area, yes, I knew that. making sure that nothing was there. And yes. the reason they tuck their head in and curl up in a ball when they sleep is it's a central heating system for dogs. Oh, wow. They're, so there are two separate hot. answers then. There, there, yeah, there are two so, separate. I mean, that's beautiful. But, when they're sleeping, the hot air comes out their nose, gets trapped underneath their body, and they keep themselves warm while they sleep. Qualification? It's why if you see a dog, it's why if you see a dog settling down to sleep in the sun, they generally won't curl up. They'll lie at flat. Because, because they're warm enough. Yes, you're right, yeah. actually. I call, yeah, God. God, you know your stuff. What are your qualifications? A police dog handler. Ooh. So would your police dog bow its head to you? Because you don't really want... I mean... There's a slightly different yeah, skill set. You need, you need to, yeah, to paraphrase think, Liam Neeson, you need a dog with a very particular set of skills, Andy. <laughs> exactly. I did think this, yeah, and extending the answer. If Maisie was to meet my dog, out of work, yeah. he's friendly, he's sociable, he wouldn't bow his head to her. He'd be very dominant, he'd be licking her face, he'd be jumping at her, to, but he wouldn't be submissive to her. So you can have a perfectly friendly dog that's dominant without the submissive behaviour. But because of his role, yeah, it's pretty much only me that he will give the submissive gestures to. Beautifully done. Uh, and I think richly deserving a round of applause for Andy, please. I bet Maisie's pleased with that answer as well, because it means she's a brilliant sort of dog owner as well, and, and the dog really trusts her. Twelve four, I forgot to ask the dog's name. I'll get the hang of this job one day. 12.40 is the time. Thank you, Andy. Ben's in Suffolk. Ben, question or answer? Uh, it's an answer, James. Carry on, Ben. Julie's, uh, Julie's question on popcorn. About the popcorn, yes, lovely. Yes. Um, it stems back to the introduction of television in America and worldwide, so... Once television came in, people were no longer going to the cinema for their newsreels, amongst other things. So yes. cinemas had to find a way of making cinema more of an experience to attract people in, so they'd start selling snacks and popcorns yeah, cheap. But, but, but why popcorn? Just because it was so cheap? Just because it was cheap. It was in America, and it coincided with the uh, Paramount decision as well in America that meant they could show fewer films. So they needed to to offer something in the cinemas that added yeah. to the experience. Otherwise, uh, everyone would stay at home watching telly. They lost they lost revenue from because um, the the film studios owned all the production and the cinemas that they were shown in. So 
They lost that. I, I, what are your qualifications? I studied film at university. Oh, film okay. history was a big part I of it. I don't, I don't know. It's, I was hoping for something a bit sexier than that, Ben. Yeah, it's not. Saying. It's not as fun as you'd think. It's, it no. boils down to a legal decision in America, and then also the introduction of television. It's really quite boring. Well, it's it's got you a round of applause, but I I I, I won't be disappointed if someone rings in to add to your answer because there's some a lot of fascinating things about popcorn. Mostly the markup. The markup is absolutely yeah, unprecedented, isn't it? There's yeah. like several hundred percent or something, I think, on the average yep. tub of, of popcorn. I once saw them delivering it because the studio in Leicester Square is next door to the massive Odeon. And they, they deliver it already popped now. When I was a kid, they'd pop it in the cinema, wouldn't they? They'd have plates and things like that. But now, and that, that was an interesting. It must be very bad for the environment. They're driving around these the size of sort of inflatable castles, like bouncy castles full of, full of popcorn. But I digress. Can we have a round of applause, please, for, for Ben? No, thank you, Ben. I, I mean, has your forgive me for asking you this because it's very unfair, and I'm sure you've dealt with it a lot over the years. Is this the first time your degree in film studies has ever come in useful? Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> although, go on. There's other reasons why. So uh, no, of course there are. I'm only teasing. I've got a degree in philosophy, mate. I, I can't. I can't talk. Uh, Twelve forty-three is the time. And actually, one of the biggest things I've been wrong about over the years. I'm writing a book about being wrong at the moment. So. I've been um, going through a very, very long list, taking the mickey out of media studies, which I, I, I used to do when I started in this job. I used to, I mean, they're, they're absolutely ridiculous. Media studies teaches people how the media works. It's, it's not just a, a lesson about how to become a journalist. In fact, that's a tiny bit of it. And when you look at how easily people have been manipulated and, and encouraged to smash themselves in the face with a metaphorical frying pan over the last few years, then... If everybody did media studies and critical thinking at school, we'd be living in a very, very different country. And we almost would certainly wouldn't be reporting on a prime minister who won't face a criminal investigation over his relationship with Jennifer R. Curie. But who um, I didn't realize this element of the story, the report published today did find, does find evidence of what they call, and I won't go into any further detail because of all the younger listeners that we've got, an intimate relationship. His poor, poor children. Um, where are we going next? Claire is in Coventry. Claire, question or answer? Answer, I hope. Carry on. So do I. <laughs> um, for your listener who wants to know about where phobias come from. Yes. Well, sometimes it's as simple as something very traumatic happens to somebody and it's so scary that they then become scared of that thing forever. Yes, that but would be... Things, that that would be things like balloons, wouldn't it? It would mean that yeah. when you were tiny, a balloon popped really near you. It was, it, it, it was Ellie's who asked this. But other ones are not really explainable by that, I don't think. No, no. Some phobias, for instance, usually things like spiders and snakes and yes. things like that. Rats, you know, I think, believe you mentioned rats. Yeah, all right. You snakes. don't have to say it with quite that much relish. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is some debate that these particular phobias can can be attributed to something called evolutionary psychology. Yes. Which knows a couple of big words there. But what that basically means is before we were humans, back in our evolutionary history, when we were still more like animals than people, mm. we had to be frightened of certain things to protect ourselves, to stay alive, you know, to, and to protect our families. So we would instinctively 
fear a snake because you don't know if that snake's venomous or not. Yeah, I don't you don't know if that answer. snake might hurt you. You know, if you're no, out and the, rat the, might, the rat might have bubonic plague and, and the, exactly, you know, and you don't know the spider could it could be a harmless spider, but it could be something really venomous. So your instincts would tell you run the other way, don't touch it. And that's where some people believe these phobias come from. It harks back that many years. I, I find that very, very compelling and, and very, very convincing. Uh, oddly, I had an experience outside Boots once that, that enforces your answer. Would you like to hear it? Go on, then. So I was walking outside Boots, and something blew across the pavement in front of me, and I jumped out of my skin. And it turned out, it was, oddly enough, it was a sock, but I thought it was a rat. And that was... Exactly. Oh, an instinctive reaction rather than yeah. learned behavior. So balloons and clowns, learned behavior. Yeah. Rats and snakes and spiders, which is what Ellis was terrified of. Yeah. Actually quite quite a sensible evolutionary exactly. re reaction from that you've inherited from ancestors who managed to stay alive by being terrified of spiders. Correct. Correct. Qualifications? I'm, I'm, afraid I, I'm afraid I can't explain buttons, though. I do know somebody that's terrified of buttons. And I have no idea why. <laughs> No, I, I we've had a few messages already from, from people describing, well, maybe that's one for next week's Mystery Hour. So what are your qualifications? Uh, I'm a biologist. That'll do nicely, Claire. Accept this round of applause with my compliments. <laughs> Great stuff. A few more need answers. We shall rattle through them, hopefully, hopefully, after this. Coming up at one on LBC, Sheila Fogarty. Health bodies say it's now or never for a proper testing and tracing system to avoid a second peak of coronavirus. Will it be ready in time? Sheila Fogarty on LBC. LBC throughout the day. With Gov.UK business support. Information on how to help protect jobs and the economy. It's 10 minutes to one. You're listening to James O'Brien on LBC, where we will continue in a moment with um, answers. I'll just remind you what questions... I'll tell you the one about the record player, oddly. I thought that one would go down fairly quickly. Um, do you know why we ended up at 45 RPM and 33 and a third RPM? I, I knew that once, but I'm so old now. I've forgotten so much. It's just gone 10 to one. Um, let's crack on. Robin is in Bromley. Robin, question or answer? It's an answer, James. Go on. Well, it's an answer that is a bit of a disappointing one because it's an answer to a fantastic question from the young girl, I'm sorry, I can't remember her name, who asked whether if she hit herself and it hard and it hurt, would it mean she was weak or strong? And yes. I think, was I that think a fantastic know, question? I mean, I, I didn't want to be rude to, to such a, to such <laughs> a lovely young child, but I mean, I thought it was a bit rubbish. No, I think it is, because I think it's a good example of a philosophical paradox. And I suspect what she's getting to is... Uh, I think it was Elizabeth. Novel. I think it was Elizabeth, I think. I think. Sorry. sorry. Yes. Um, and I think what, what she's getting to is the classic sort of paradox that you can ask, for example, could God create a mountain that was so heavy he couldn't lift it? And yes. those are the sort of paradoxes that have plagued philosophers and, and theologians for, for centuries. So essentially, there isn't an answer to her question, because if she hit herself hard and she, it hurt her, she could say that she was weak. But if, it hit, if she hit herself hard and it didn't hurt her, she could say that she was strong. But if she did both at the same time, it's a paradox. And it's a way of thinking about logic and thinking about questions that don't actually have answers, but you have to think about the logical outcomes of each each, uh, like the, the if a tree fell down in the woods and there was no one there to hear it, would it make a sound kind of question? 
similar to that. And I, but I think the, the point about, and I, I think you just said actually, you did a philosophy degree. So I was a bit nervous about coming on in case you. you no, no, I didn't do classical philosophy. I did mostly nineteenth-century oh. continental f- philosophy and sort of Karl Popper-inspired. Oh, um, right, yeah. Black Swan so, and, and things like all that. All of that. So yeah, much, much, yeah. much later. But um, so I, I do think it's go a on. good question. But I don't. I don't. Th- I think it's a good question. But I don't think there's an actual answer to it. I think too, too many variables. Too, too many variables as well, because strong is a subjective, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah. Really, strong and weak are subjective judgments. There's no objective algorithm for for for, for strength and weakness in this context. So it was a brilliant question, which demonstrates that Elizabeth has a very, very big brain and an inquiring mind, and that I'm a complete pudding for thinking that it wasn't well, a very good question. Not, not the second one, but I think the first one is very good because Elizabeth has been thinking about a question to which there isn't actually an answer, but the point of it is to think about the paradox, which is an interesting philosophical concept. She could carry it. She can end up doing this for a living. Round of applause for Robin, please. Uh, and Philip is in Inverness. Philip, question or answer? Hi, Morris James. I've got an answer about moles. Oh, yes. Uh, so there's cells in our skin called melanocytes, and they're the ones that give us a suntan when we get exposed to UV light or sunlight. Um, yes. And where those cells are really clumped together, so there's lots and lots of them in a very small space, that turns into a freckle or a mole. Uh, it gets yes. a lot darker and it grows a lot faster than it would do in the rest of our skin. And that's what causes us to have moles or freckles. So what's the difference between a mole and a freckle? Uh, I think a mole is when it's raised, and a freckle is when it's flat. But and, not, and, and is it raised as a result of there being even more melanin than there is in a freckle? Do we know? Or sorry, I'm just intrigued. Yeah, I think, now. I think it, even more skin cells growing, but I'm, I'm I'm not a dermatologist, so I'd be guessing about. Don't worry. So the, I mean, the short answer is it's the same thing that makes you get a suntan, but it all it, the the relevant chemical concentrates in tiny little spots rather than spread equally all over your arm. Yeah, that particular cells are really um, condensed in that one area. I love that. Qualifications? Uh, I had a mole removed last year for tests, and while they were doing the surgery, the doctor was uh, distracting me by telling me all about them. Oh, how interesting. Everything was all right, I hope. Uh, yeah, it all came back clear. Um, and he was cool. even talking about the way that moles are seen in different cultures. So in parts of Asia, it's seen as good luck to let the hair grow in a mole, especially on the really? face. And in, like, 1950s America... Uh, women would draw moles on their face, like called beauty spots, even if they didn't have one, because it was seen as a sort of a sign of beauty. Gosh. Well, Elsie will be delighted with that answer. Thank you, mate. Have a round of applause. I like, of course, beauty spots as well. Um, Giotti is in Hounslow. Giotti, question or answer? Answer. Carry on. Um, I'm answering the question, the, the virus question. Why do some uh, viruses last longer than others? Yeah. So everybody has an immune system which consists of different antibodies and white blood cells. Yes. And we all know that lots of viruses are stronger than others. For example, the coronavirus is way stronger than the common cold. Clearly. Yeah, <laughs> clearly. So each, um, everybody's, immune system is different because like some may be stronger than others so they might fight off a virus quicker than another body what makes what makes a coronavirus more powerful than a common cold do we know that 
Not really, no. But don't, don't worry, don't worry. I don't know either, and I think I'm a bit older than you. So, so I mean, you're doing really, really well. So, it, the, the the speed with which you fight off a virus will have a lot to do with what's going on inside you, rather than what's going on inside the virus. Exactly, and the virus also counts because the stronger the virus, the harder for your body to fight it. Indeed. And what are your qualifications? I learned about it in school. And how old are you now? I'm 11. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Do you promise not to get upset? Of course I won't get upset. Why haven't you come up with a cure for coronavirus yet, Giotti? <laughs> um, because I don't have a degree in medicine. Details, details. You've been watching too much television, haven't you? <laughs> not really, no. Have a round of applause. Hang in there. What a lovely answer and well done. Uh, Afafila is in Kingston. Afafila, question or answer? Answer. Carry on. Uh, the answer for um, a ship called she and why are, are buildings or not? Do buildings have jet day? And the answer no. is? No. No, uh, no they don't have genders. How do you know I this? Know what are your qualifications? I mean, I know why we call ships her. And you wouldn't call buildings that. No. Uh, okay. Uh, well, quickly tell me why we call ships her. It's a terrible phone line. I can't really hear you. So do, do it as quickly as you Sorry. can, if you would. Um, because when in the 18th century, when ships came to power, like it was a very sexist environment. So they thought that like, if you take care of the ship, that they will take care of you, like a woman at that time. Yes. And it takes an experienced man to, like, handle a ship. God, everyday sexism. Everyday sexism, Afafila. Everyday sexism, am I right? Yes. Outrageous. I have a right. What are your qualifications? Um, I looked this up in a book. Not today, but another no, time. No, not today. Right, yes. That'll do nicely. Before Quick I round of applause for that. Great work. Thank you. Lovely. Round of applause. Thank you. I think we're nearly there. One more. Malcolm Bodmin. Question or answer? Answer. What's your answer, Malcolm? Hi, James. Um, the 60... Um, oh, God. 33.45 question. Um, strangely, it was an improvement in technology, and it was all about the number of slots in, in the grooves and the improvement, as I say, in technology and needles and so on, so that the fastest speed with smaller discs... I, it may have been about the advent of 7-inch... Uh, records, as I used to know them, as opposed to albums, which what existed before. And it was all about the number of slots in each groove and the ability of needles to reproduce that sound through the amplifier or speaker. So almost by trial and error, they came up with the optimum speeds? It was all about, James, I think maybe improvement in, in um, early electronics and understanding of polymers or plastics and the ability to mold them oh yes of course so the size of the groove would determine the speed of the rpms you could pack more into a faster moving spin rate than you could into a slower moving one because of the technology of molding that'll do i'm going i'm late for the news qualifications quickly um in the eight in the late 80s james um, as part of my master's at Exeter University, one of our projects, um, when I was training to be a D&T teacher, we had to build a gramophone. 
That'll do. When I said quickly, I meant quickly. Malcolm, great work and a full board this week. We've done it. I think we've done it, although I'll probably get a complaint now that we've missed one out. That's it from me for another day. We'll do it all again tomorrow morning from 10. Here's Sheila. Tentatively, some places are opening and trying to do business in a meaningful but COVID-safe way. I want to hear from you if you're in the hospitality or tourism sector. What would allow the hardest-hit sector to thrive again? That's from three. At two, Sadiq Khan, the Mayor of London, joins me. The deaths of dozens of bus workers who were exposed to coronavirus has led TfL to commission a study the city's mayor says is deeply personal. He'll tell us why. And at one, if 2019 was all about the B word, 2020 will be all about the T word, testing, tracking, tracing. Health bodies say it's now or never to avoid a second peak of infections. Boris Johnson says he's optimistic the system will be ready by the 1st of June, minus the ability to widely track strangers you might have infected. So will it work? Will it even come in time? On your radio, on Global Player and... Play LBC. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC.